Faith and Reason Podcasts, new media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com. I have to tell you, I have never given a talk at Franciscan University. This is the first time. I'm like, um, I've been to a lot of Steubenville conferences, which is fantastic. They, I cry the whole time. They changed my life. Um, but I actually spoke at my first Franciscan conference I ever went to. I had never went as a, a student. I'm really old. I missed that boat. But I got to come as a speaker and. Seriously life-changing. So every time I come back here, it's for a conference. It's amazing. But I see Franciscan students all over the world, and I'm just like, oh, I want to come hang out. And like, here I am, right? So, so I promise um, an hour. First of all, I'm just really pumped that there's guys here. I'm sorry. Um, can, I, can we just give it up for the men? Like, for the gentlemen. Usually when they hear that like, you know, a relationship talk is coming, the guys are like in hiding. Um, and so the fact that you're here, just like bonus points, like way to go, men. I love it. So before I, I start this talk, I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I hear someone give a talk, I'm always like, who are you? What are you about? Where are you from? Right? So I can tell you about myself in like three slides. Okay. So here we go. Sarah Swafford 101. This is my husband. So this is Swaff. I love colleges like this. Okay. So... <laughs> Um, this is my husband. His name is Andy, but his name is, our last name is Swafford. So like, since he was five years old, everyone just calls him Swaff, right? So he actually is a, his name is actually Dr. Swafford. He teaches theology at Benedictine College. So um, he's that really like dorky guy that actually reads the Bible in Hebrew, the Bible in Hebrew and Greek. He doesn't read it in English anymore. So um, while he is very attractive, I always put this picture up and all the girls are always like, dang, Sarah, he's cute. I'm like, I'm aware, I'm aware. He's a very good looking man, right? Um, but he's also a really, really, really brilliant. But it's cute because like we call him, I call him Swaff because everyone calls him Swaff and we were friends first, right? So I call him Swaff and most students call him Doc Swaff or Swaff Daddy or P. Diddy Swaff or, um, my personal favorite is David Hasselswaff. That's my personal favorite. So um, I, I, you can call him whatever you want. I'm Swaff. Usually people call me Mama Swaff or Swaff Mama. I think they're both very fun. So and yes, he is cute, but not as cute as our kids. So these are our kids. So. <laughs> I know. Stop. Stop the cuteness, right? Like. So these are our kids. I know. I know. This is Thomas. So. How many of you are the oldest child? Any eldest children in the, yep, okay, hi, me too. Thomas, Thomas just turned 11. He is like my right-hand man. I don't know what I would do without him, right? When I got pregnant on my honeymoon, I was like, girl, 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 right? Because I'm the oldest girl, and I'm like, I was so helpful. Girl, 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 right? And then I had Thomas, I'm like, next one, girl, girl, girl. But he is like more helpful than a lot of my friends who have girls that are the eldest. So like this is Thomas. Um, he's the man. This is Fulton. Uh, any, any Archbishop Fulton Sheen fans in the house? Yeah. I always say if you don't know him, get to know him, right? Yeah. My husband, I, we were trying to figure out baby names. I'm like, I already figured it out. So he, he was like, okay, you're having the baby. You, you figured it out. So Fulton is my middle, he's my second child, but he's, um, I call him my cuddly squirrel. 
You guys, any of your siblings like a cuddly squirrel? I don't know if you have that person in your family. He is like high energy all the time. Uh, and justice and fairness is very important to Fulton. So that is Fulton. We love the name too because like when I meet Catholic people, they're like, Fulton Slaw, like Fulton Sheen, I see what you're doing there, right? Like, and then if they're not Catholic, they're like, so trendy. Like, I love it, you know? And I always told Swaff, I was like, it works because if he's like an, like really smart, he can go like academic and be like Sir Fulton Swafford. Like that totally works. Or if he's like an athlete, he can run through a tunnel and it's like Fulton Swafford. Like, does that not work, right? Like it totally works. So it, it, he's got the right name for him. And then this is Kate. So Kate is named for St. Catherine of Siena. Go set the world on fire, yeah. So she, um, she's going straight to the convent. She's very excited about it. So. Um, she's discerned well. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she is, she just turned six, so she runs the show. Any girls, only girl in your family? Yeah, right, yeah. Like, we just make more sense whenever you meet people who are the only girl, right? Because Kate will have me, like, paint her nails, like, we'll do nails, and then she'll, like, jump on the wrestling pile and be like, dang it. You know what I mean? Like, oh well, right? So, and then this is my baby. This is Colby. So, Colby Joseph. He's edible, you can just like pop him in your mouth, right? Like, it's pretty sweet. So he just turned two, so he gets no attention. We're really worried about him, so, right? Okay, so the reason why I bring this, this is our family, so the reason why I bring this picture, I want all of you eyes right here. Everyone look at me right here, okay? We took 506 pictures. That was the number on my friend's camera. This is the only one where we all six were looking at the camera. <laughs> 506, I kid you not. Do you see my child, my baby? That is a rock on his head. A rock. Like a boulder, right? Like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're perfect family. I'm like, oh, you have no idea, right? Because the toddler picks up the rock, right? And like, you try to like, try to get away from him and they throw like the World War III tantrum and you're like, I, I don't even care. I don't even care. So like, we have like a pet rock and it's in all of our, all of our Christmas pictures, right? But here's the thing with social media, you just need one, right? You just need one cute picture. So all 505 other ones, we tried, right? So, because I just, I want to bring this picture. I bring this to you because yeah, like, sure, this is me. Sure, right? Like, sure, I got it all together. Sure, right? Like, we captured one picture in a one hour time frame that worked. And, we, and my kid has a rock on his head and I don't even care, right? Like, sometimes social media can portray something that might not always be the truth, amen? And I mean, we could sit here and talk about that all night long, but the reason why I come to you tonight is because I come to you in the name of, I don't even know how you're doing this life, like as a college student right now, right? So when I, you guys, I got through, I went through junior high, high school, college, got engaged, got married, and had two kids before I even knew what social media was. Okay, I'm 34, not 84. Everyone just questioned my age. They're like, dang, she looks good for like 65, right? Like, so I'm 34, 34, right? Like, I miss social media by like two years. Okay, like, but here's the deal. I was a hot mess in high school and college and I didn't even need a phone, right? Like, I didn't get a phone until my freshman year of college. Not because it wasn't like, not because my mom didn't let me, but because it just didn't, it was a bag phone. I don't know if you guys remember, like, we used to have these bag phones that plugged into the cigarette outlet. Okay, that, now I'm just really dating myself. Okay, but do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have a cell phone until I was like, in, and it was T9, you know, the texting that was like, three, 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 six, six. do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like. Big, everyone's like, just text. I'm like, that is such a waste of five minutes of my time, right? Like, hi, I'm outside, right? Like, that took me five minutes. So I come to you in the name of like, what? 
because I missed it and I will, I will do anything to help. That's how my whole ministry started. I actually was a dorm mom. I know you guys have like households, right? Like um, I was a residence hall director, like a dorm mom at Benedictine, which I'm from Atchison, I'm from Kansas. Um, we call ourselves the cute little brother of Franciscan, right? So Benedictine, your cute little brother. So um, we are like hanging out in Atchison, my husband and I, and I was a dorm director. We don't have households, but we have dorm life is set up pretty much like households. So I, the night before I got the job, they put me in. So. I was married and Thomas and Fulton were, Thomas was 16 months and Fulton was two months old the night that I took the job. And so I got in this dorm and they gave me St. Scholastica Hall and I was in charge of 142 freshman college women. Um, that was my responsibility. I was, I was dorm mom, I was big sister. I did everything from you know, ramen noodles in the, in the fountain you know, to like toilets not working, to homesickness, to drama, to breakups, like all of it, right? And I remember we were sitting in the RA office one night and I was like walking by and the girls come over and they're like, they're all huddled around a computer, not a laptop, but a computer. And they're like, Sarah, get over here, you gotta see this. I'm like, what? So I like walk in and this, I'll never forget it. They all turn around at the same time and they go, it's called Facebook. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, cool. So they like set up my profile for me, right? And like this whole Facebook thing started and then this whole texting thing really started, right? Smartphones came out. And I remember like I would sit around with like the girls and we would just like chat. But instantly I remember coming home one night and I looked at Swaff and I was like, this is gonna change dating forever. And he was like, yeah, because he was hearing it, so, you know, he was hearing stuff. Guys would come to him and girls would come to me and then like guys would secretly come to me and girls would come to Swaff, right? And like couples would come, you know, it, like so we heard everything that was going on. And I, my, my couch would, became the therapy couch in my living room and I would just lay people down and spoon feed them cookie dough and be like, it's gonna be okay. Like, it's gonna be okay, right? Like, because it got really messy, right? And so I started, I started just like having these like round tables, you know, like hanging out and just like, let's talk about this. And so finally the, a couple girls were like, Sarah, you gotta like get up and give a talk about this. I'm like, I talk about what? And they're like, about what you talk about. I'm like, what do I talk about? And they're like, what you talk? And I was like, okay. And so I was having a hard time getting to coffee with like all these individual girls. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'm gonna give a talk about what I talk about. And um, so it was like around St. Valentine's Day, you know, the day loathed by anyone who finds themselves single. And um, so I like put up these signs and I said, I am gonna give a talk. And the title of the talk was um, Love, Emotions, Taylor Swift, Mental Stalking, and Mr. Right. That was the title of the talk. I'm like, perfect for Valentine's Day. Um, and so I put these flyers around campus. I'm like, these 20 girls better show up. Like, cause I, I'm that girl, I don't know if you guys had these parents, but my dad would make me read in church in high school because it was good for me, right? And I would get up to the podium and I would shake so bad that the whole podium would shake. And then like little old ladies would come up to me afterwards and be like, you tried so hard. <laughs> like I threw up, I'm never doing it again, right? Like not a public speaker, right? So I like was so nervous walking over to the auditorium that night. And um, I opened the door to go into this talk and, I, and there were over like 300 women in the auditorium. It was standing room only, and I was like, I turned around, and I walked out, I was like, no, <laughs> no. And, uh, and I don't know, something inside was like, no, Sarah, turn around, go back in there and tell them everything you wish you would have known before you went to college. And everything that you would tell, I don't have any, I'm the oldest, so I don't have older siblings, but I always wanted an older sister to like shoot straight with me, right? And um, so that was what I had been doing for, you know, in the dorms, that's what I had been doing, and so I was like, shoot, let's just, let's just do that, right? So I gave this talk, and kind of like threw a grenade, and the Q&A went till two in the morning. And um, after that, I was walking back to my apartment and I got, I got back to Scholastica and there's a hall, in the hallway in front of my door, there's like a row of like girls just sitting in the hallway and Swaff was standing in the doorway and he goes, 
what did you say? And I was like, I don't know. So like that just started this conversation and then it was really funny the next day in the afternoon, I get this like banging on the door and I open the door and there's like 15 guys standing in the hallway. And I was like, they're gonna kill me. Like, and I was like, hey. And they like looked at me and they go, you gave a talk on like relationships and you didn't invite us. And I was like, I am so sorry. Like, and they, and they were like, when's our talk? And I was like, soon, right? Like, so I basically went back and I thought, okay, like what do I wanna tell the guys that the girls tell me I wish the guys knew? Like, you know what I mean? Like girls would always be like, oh my gosh, the guys. I'm like, let's just tell them. They're like, rather eat my arm off, right? Like, I'm like, okay, then I'll tell them, right? So I started, I started giving the talk for women and then I gave a talk on men, right? And then I, that Q&A went on to like, like really long. And then finally I was like, no, like the way to give this talk is co-ed. Because there's gonna be so many times during this talk where I'm not talking to you, but I'm like talking to you, right? Like I love giving all guy, all like all guys Catholic high school talks, like coming into your high school, right? Like 2000 guys and they hear that like the chastity person's coming, you know? And I can see them in their like pop collars and their khakis and they're in the bleachers before I come out and they're like, get a gun in my life, right? Cause it's just like the chastity ladies here. And then like in the beginning of my talk, they kind of lean forward. And then by the end of my talk, their hands are out like this, and they're like, the secrets to women, feed me. I'll take all the help I can get, right? Fellas, are women a little bit hard to understand, a little bit complicated, a little bit over-emotional, a little bit confusing sometimes? Not it, Franciscan? Okay. Okay, good, good. Ladies, do men care? So it begins, right? So I travel, I travel all over the world and it is, it's always so funny because the guys are always like, there's really attractive women here, why would I cheer for that? Right? Like, she's right there, she could punch me in the face. Like, like I, of course they're so easy to understand, right? And all the ladies, all the girls, you know, it's like, do men care? And they're always like, no, I'm gonna die alone with 100 cats. Like I can't, I can't find a guy anywhere. Do you know any? Give me a number, right? Like, the, the stereotype out there is what? Women are just like so hard to understand and so confusing and so like over emotional and overwhelming that guys just like back away slowly and try not to set it off, right? <laughs> and then the, the like stereotype out on the men is like they don't care about anything, like hygiene, like themselves, like nothing, right? Like maybe their Xbox, but like that's about it, right? Like the stereotype is there. And so not only do we like have men and women, like men and women can miss each other sometimes, right? Like, I mean, sometimes we just like whoop, right? But yet the most important thing we could do is maybe try to like figure it out from each other's point of view. So we have, like we miss each other a lot. And then on top of that, we have what I lovingly call the world's idea perfect, right? Loving was sarcastic. Okay, good. So the world's idea perfect, ladies, what is it for you, right? You have to be like size negative two, right? Like perfect hair, perfect bangs, flawless skin. If you can't figure it out, Pinterest has at least a million videos to help you out, right? I don't know what I'd do without Pinterest. I couldn't cook, but y'all know what I mean, right? You have to have like the perfect group of girls with you at all times, your followers in like real life, right? It's all about being successful. Like what does that mean? It's so fun to be here at Franciscan because what that means to you is so different than what it means to most people I talk to, right? So not only do you have to have like your physical appearance like happening, but you have to have your like holy experience happening, right? Like the spiritual side, right? 
Like, does everyone know that I pray daily rosary? Because it's really important that everybody knows that, right? Like, <laughs> like I hit daily mass like three times this week, right? Like, I mean, that, right? Like I, like, I live a mile from Benedictine, and it's so amazing. That's why this talk is so powerful, and it's hard for me to give, because I'm usually trying to convince the audience to, like, have a relationship with Christ. Like, that's the final angle, right? Bring you to the Eucharist through, through confession. That's, like, my entire job as a speaker is to massage your heart to the Eucharist. That's all I try to do, right? Amen? And to get you into the confessional and talk to Jesus. Like, that's the whole goal. But here's the cool thing about Franciscan is like, you, you already knew that, right? Like, so this pressure, when I say pressure, you know I mean the world's idea of perfect, perfect right? Like, this, like the physical side. But you guys get this bonus pressure of like being holy enough as well. And you compare each other. To, I mean, you, can, you have a comparison thing, right? Like comparison is the thief of joy. Even with, even with spiritual matters, amen? So girls, like, you not only have this, like, world's idea of perfect, like, with the world, but you also have this, like, idea of perfect here at Steubenville, right? It's like a whole other game that's just, like, ooh, it's a lot of pressure. And the fellas, you guys have it too, right? Like, the world's idea of perfect for the men is chiseled and charming, right? Successful with, like, everything you touch. You can be, like, an athlete or you can be an artist or you can be, like, a musician. We don't care. Just be successful, right? Make a lot of money. White picket fence, yo, right? Like, I mean, you know what I mean when I say, like, the world's idea of perfect for you. But then you also have all this, like, added stress, added, you know, like, even the spiritual perfection that's, like, breathing down your neck. So when I say pressure, it means a lot to you, amen? Like, that is, it's a loaded, it's loaded for everyone, but it's even more loaded for you guys because you have it, like, in different angles. Does that make sense? Like, it's coming at you in a lot of different ways. So the world's idea of perfect is, like, breathing down your neck. And then on top of that, social media has you thinking that, Life is about taking the perfect picture in the perfect place with the perfect group of people so that you can edit it, like filter it, and post it, right? I mean, life has become about being able to not only be in the moment, but to portray the moment that is perfection. I think it's so interesting that we all turn, me included, we all turn to social media for two things, to be affirmed and to be satisfied. And we always walk away feeling neither. And I speak, of, I speak from that personally. I'm a 35-year-old stay-at-home mom. Let's go to this picture, right? Like, I mean, I blessed beyond words, but I have, I have scrolled on my phone at 11 o'clock at night and put it on my nightstand and been like, man, why do I feel worthless? Like, we're made for eternity, right? So scrolling, it's like this eternal, endless thing, but yet we never get to the bottom, right? And we look for satisfaction in social media and we look to be affirmed. How many times have you ever walked away from your phone feeling worthless? Oh, raise your hand. Right? Like, I mean, you just walk away and you're like, am I just not trying hard enough? Do you guys ever feel that way? You're like, I think I'm just not trying hard enough. But I'm sure working my tail off and I don't understand where this is coming from. I call it the attack, right? I love phones. What would we do without phones, right? I probably wouldn't be here right now because I would have got lost on the way here, right? Like, thank you, Google Maps. Like, I love my phone just as much as you do, but it likes to put a lot of pressure on us, even holy pressure, amen? So I just want to like lay that out. We know what's attacking us. But for some reason, the world's idea perfect, physically, spiritually, the whole thing, and the fact that men and women miss each other sometimes gets kind of messy. I mean, I don't even know, like we were talking about this at dinner a little bit, but like dating and relationships on this campus. What? Why did I even try? Right? Like when I, when I talk to Benedictine students, it's like so different. There's like 10 colleges in the country that I think dating is just totally different at. You're one of them, right? You guys get this like awesome like like Nintendo like bonus level, 
right? Like, <laughs> there's, seriously, there's like this, like there's like dating for normal people, and then there's like Steubenville Benedictine dating, right? It's like capital D dysfunctional, <laughs> right? Okay. Okay, we're clapping for this because we all know it's true, but it's still awesome, right? And I'm not talking about people that are like in a relationship right now. I'm talking about like the process, amen? So, I, I, like, yeah, like anybody that's dating here right now, that wasn't to slam you. That was, I was just, the process is funky, right? Like I don't know other words for it, right? But it's just kind of funky. So, and it's, here's the reason why it's so special though. Here's the reason why it's so worth the fight is because dating means something to you. Like finding your vocation means something to you. When I hug, you know, girls and they're just like crying because they're like, when I talk to men that are like emailing me in secret, the number one thing that they tell me is like, I don't want to screw this up. Like, I don't want to screw up my vocation and I'm paralyzed by that fear. That's what this talks about tonight, you guys. It's not about like, yeah, I know it's dysfunctional and it's like really hard, but the reason why dating is so hard here is because you take it seriously. Praise God. Amen. You guys don't know how many arenas I've been in and like this where I, I'm with like, I do a lot with Focus Greek. It's like my favorite. Sororities and fraternities full of people who have never been to a focus event. Nod your head up and down if you know what I'm talking about, right? I've got like the frat boys. I'm like in the frat living room, right? That's a totally different talk. And that's why I'm like, that's why when I said I feel like I'm at home, that's what I meant, right? But here's the deal. It's still dysfunctional. So like this talk is about sorting that out as best as we can because I stand before you not even pretending for a minute to have all or any of the answers, right? And every single person in this room is fighting a different battle. Amen? And like, your story, even your like, dating past, is different from the person sitting next to you. Completely different. So I want you to take this talk as like, you know, especially for the men, like there might be some times when I'm talking to the women and you're like, mental notes, right? Like, you, like seriously, you're gonna learn something. And like for the ladies, you know, there's gonna be times where you're like, bust out a glitter pen and take some notes while I'm talking to the men, right? Like, it might not be for you, but it's for you, right? So the first thing I wanna do to start this talk off right is I, I want the men, guys, like I want to help you out. And how I wanna do that is I wanna help you like understand the like heart and mind of a woman just a little bit, right? All the girls are like, She's gonna do that in 45 minutes. All the guys are like, buckle up, right? So, so ladies, tell me, tell, fellas, okay, ready? Ladies, tell me if you can relate to this, right? It's like your typical Friday night, right? Like last Friday night, and you got all your best girls in the house, and it's like chick flick movie marathon, right? Sweats, no other option, right? You have your box of Little Debbies. I mean both boxes of Little Debbies, let's be real, we don't share. And it's like game on, right? And you're, like, you're just like three, three chick flicks, we're gonna escape reality for like seven hours, it's gonna be amazing, right? So you like throw on the first one, and it's like, oh my gosh, why do we not do this every night, right? Like, <laughs> and then like the credits roll and you throw on like the second one, which is usually like my personal favorite, like Bad Boy Goes Alter Boy Part Two, the musical, right? <laughs> And you're like, yes. And then like the credits roll and you're like, well, my life is officially worthless. Let's do it again, right? So you like throw on the third one and it's like two in the morning, right? And like the credits roll and like everyone's just really quiet. No one says anything. And then one of you finally like stands up and picks up your remote control and chucks it against the wall. And you're like, when's it gonna be my turn? I'm so sick and tired of waiting for Mr. Right, Mr. Perfect to come into my life. I need a cute guy and a horse in the sunset right now, right? So ladies, what do you do? You like, you know, you vent about him and him and him and this and this and this and like until like five in the morning and then you fall asleep 
bitter and frustrated and completely out of oatmeal cream pies, but it's okay because it's the weekend, right? And it's like you go through Saturday and Sunday and your phone is just full of like engagements and babies. You're like, I'm gonna burn it. And then finally like <laughs> you get to Monday morning and you're like, I'm, t I'm fine, I'm fine. And you're walking around campus, right? And this guy that you're like halfway attracted to, he's like, hey. And you're like, hey. I want you, right? Like, so ladies, what do you do? Well, naturally you start. Okay, fellas, look at my eyes right here. Awkward giggling always means it's true, okay? Did you hear it, right? All the guys are like, ah, ah. I don't even have a definition and I'm already kind of creeped out, right? All the guys. Mental stalking, right, ladies? It's like where you think about like where you're gonna go on your first date and like where he's gonna propose. And you do like all your, like I call it the Christmas card test where you take like your first name and his last name and like every baby name you've ever loved just to make sure it sounds good, right? Like you can't be too careful, right? Like it's mental stalking. The guys are like, wow, wow. And then you start. Right? It used to be that you would like scroll and scroll and scroll and look through like two hours of him and his Uncle Bill on his fishing trip or like go, you like end up in seventh grade and you're like, how did I get here, right? Has it really been three hours? Is he really in seventh grade? Oh, right? Like social media stalking, right? Like I know like it, it's a thing, right? Snaps better be hot or you know, snap streaks, it's all important, right? Like I get it. And then you start flirting, right, naturally. And then you start or Snapchat. Did you hear how deadly silent the room is? <laughs> Did you guys see it? It was like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> she, she's reading my mind. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> texting. Okay, texting, right? Snapchatting. I don't, I had to put Snapchatting up there because like a lot of people don't even text anymore, right? It's just quicker and easier to Snapchat, right? So I had to put them both up there because how many of you have ever been like misinterpreted in a text or like in a Snapchat, right? Like, right? How many of you have ever been hurt by like a snap or hurt by a text, right? Like, okay, good, not just me. How many of you wish that Apple could figure out how to put a cancel button on the text page? Like you are Apple, figure it out, right? Like, I think they want drama, I really do. I think they're like, ooh, let's see what we can do here, right? Okay, so how about we leave texting with like, it's charged, right? Texting is charged. We know that. We'll just leave it there. And then we start like calling, FaceTiming. FaceTiming, I, I've warmed up to FaceTiming, right? Like it used to be so awkward. Like and Snapchatting made it more normal, right? Okay, just me. All right, so like this is how, this is how like seriously, I'm just gonna out myself on how old I am, right? So when I was in high school, the phone came off the wall and it became cordless and there was a speakerphone button on it. So you would like put your boyfriend on speakerphone and then you would like lay the pillow, like phone on the pillow and like talk. Okay, good, moving on. Okay, good. So, and then physically stalking. It's like, wow, that escalated quickly, right? So it's like, oh, okay, good. So I call this the emoticoaster. And the reason why I call it the emoticoaster is because it can kind of feel like a roller coaster, right? You guys all had like an amazing amusement park experience, right? Where you're like waiting in line for two hours for this like epic ride that's going to change your life and you're convincing all your friends to wait with you, right? And you can smell the asphalt burning through your flip-flops, but you're like, we're on, we're doing this, right? So you're like, you're in line and you're waiting and you're waiting, you're watching everyone else ride and you're like, oh, I'm so happy for you, you know? And then you like finally get to the ride and you strap in and you're like, yes, 
just like ching, 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 ching. Yes. And you get to the top and it just like throws you down. And your whole, you know, your stomach comes up and your head's like do, 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 tears streaming down your face. If you're a female, you have a permanent hole in the back of your head where your earring was like digging into your neck, right? <laughs> And this is just a crazy ride. And then it comes to this like scree screeching halt and you take one step off the ride and you throw up in front of everyone. <laughs> and you spend the rest of the day under a shady tree with a trash can, right? Like, just kidding. But can, sometimes roller coasters can have that experience. So can the emotocoaster, right? The, this puppy can move over five days, over five weeks, over five months. Five years is a really long time, right? Like. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever watched a friend ride the emotocoaster with someone? Have you ever seen that? It may have been you, but raise your hand anyway, right? Like, <laughs> I am my friend. Yes, it's okay. <laughs> okay, this is trippy. How many of you have ever watched someone ride the emotocoaster with multiple people at the same time? <laughs> We're Franciscans, so the hands are, you know. One girl goes, that's scary. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. So people, in my world, I've had people tell me that they call it the standby list. So people will have, like a guy will have like four or five, eight girls on standby. So like, oh, we're just talking, we're just texting, we're just hanging out. Like, like a lot of women will have multiple guys that are like on standby. Different guys they text at midnight for affirmation, right? Like think about how this, this is like in a million forms, right? This is, this is just the emotocoaster, it's real. We don't call it that, but it's real. Now. Eyes right here, right here. I am not a hater, okay? I do not know what I would do without my phone, right? I don't hate social media. I think that I think it's neutral. I think it's like money. It's like anything else. It's how we use it, amen? So like when I look at this list, I just don't want you to walk out here and be like, I am gonna burn my phone, right? Like that is, everything up here, this is really important for you guys to hear. I don't want you to walk away from this list going no. I want you to look at this list and go, everything on this list is part of a relationship. Some, the, this is gonna happen, right? Like you were gonna walk around Franciscan University and go like, there's a lot of potential here, right? Like, that was not me, you, right? Single people, right? You act like freshman orientation, it's like, this is amazing, right? Like, I finally have Catholic friends, like, but it's going to happen, right? But could there be some potential traps? Yes, okay, any visual learners in the crowd? I'm just a straight up visual learner, so I just brought the whole slide for you. I hope that's okay. This is my potential trap slide. <laughs> Don't get overwhelmed, okay. <laughs> Ready? Mental stalking. It's a one-way relationship. You're building the, un the unknown. Expectations can be too high, and it can be creepy. <laughs> Social media stalking. You're getting into someone's personal life and making assumptions. Wouldn't you rather let that person tell you about himself or herself? Flirting. You may be seeking attention or feeling an insecurity or sending mixed messages and it can come across as fake. Don't you want them to get to know the real you? Texting or Snapchat. It can be intimate, misinterpreted, you can rationalize things, it's no big deal and it can be addictive. Calling or FaceTime. You may stay up late and reveal a lot about yourself and calling and texting, Snapchat and FaceTime can all be very private. And then physically stalking, not just like the puppy dog following them around, but you have to be around them. You don't have any fun without them. You do things just because they do. You may change who you are to please them and start going to things just because they are there. It's easy to wrap yourself up in something for the wrong reasons. That last one's just hard for me to read because that was just like 101 me in, in high school. I don't know if that's how, if any of you had that experience in high school or now in college, but I very much morphed into whatever it was that the guy that I was with wanted me to be. I just, that was just 101, right? And here's the deal. Again, these are potential traps. But the reason, why it make, the reason why it makes me nervous is because I watched the world's idea of perfect feed the emotocoaster 
and the emoticoaster spins everybody onto what I call the cycle of use. And I don't have to explain this to you because unfortunately you all know exactly what I mean by this, but we never use the word use. Like it's just not in our vocabulary. We don't use the word use. The cycle of use will, can look in a lot of different ways, but the ways that, way it kind of commonly comes down to is men will use women to get what they want, and women will use men to get what they want. Fill in the blanks, right? Men will use women, maybe like emotionally manipulate them, kind of hit them where it hurts, where they're most vulnerable, to get what they want, which is sex. And women will use sex or their bodies or their sex appeal or whatever it is that they need to use to get what they want, which is usually to feel loved or to feel wanted or to feel desired or to feel anything at all. And men will use women emotionally and physically and women will use men emotionally and physically, but no one calls it that. And it's just this cycle that usually gets called love, but it's use. But we don't even use the word use. Close your eyes for a second, just for one second, for one minute. I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about a time in your life where you were used emotionally or physically or probably both, and you knew it. Or maybe a time in your life where you use someone else, either emotionally or physically, or maybe both, and you knew it. Maybe it was a time in your life where you watched your best friend be used emotionally, physically, and you knew it. Or maybe a time where you watched your best friend use somebody else emotionally or physically or probably both and you knew it. And there was nothing you can do about it or you didn't know what to do. Okay, open your eyes. Everyone take a deep breath in, let it out. Those are four of the heaviest questions that I could ask you or that you could ask me because there's not a single person in this room that hasn't felt the effects of use in some way or another. But we don't call it that. I want you to repeat after me, use. 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 I want you, I'm gonna teach you two sentences that I want you to put on like little fortune cookie pieces of paper and I want you to put them in your back pocket. And I want you to pull them out and use them whenever you need them. Are you ready? Repeat after me. I will not, I will not use, you. use you. And I will not, I will not let, you use me. let you use me. If I had a tattoo, that might be my tattoo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One more time. I will not, I will not use, you. use you. And I will not, I will not let, you let you use me. I don't think there's any two more powerful sentences that you can use. I had a guy come up to me after I gave one of my talks at Benedictine, 6'5", like huge football player, and I was walking the kids and he came up to me and he's like, oh, Mrs. Swafford, could I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, yeah. So we're like walking and he's like, I just wanted you to know that I heard, I came to your talk like a month ago. And he's like, that very next weekend, I found myself alone in a room with a girl and I was about to make a really poor life choice. And then like your stupid voice came in my head. And I just, I looked at this girl and I was like, I can't use you, I won't use you, and I won't let you use me. And I walked out of that room, and as I was walking back to my apartment, I just stopped and I thought to myself, I think for the first time in my life, I know what it means to be a man. And I was like, oh my God. 
<laughs> I was like, I just like, I just gave this guy a huge, huge hug and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, you get it. You get it. You win. Game, set, match. Like you have no idea what you, what you did for that girl. I was like, you, in two, like, I could stand on a stage for two weeks and tell her that she's beautiful and I could tell her about her dignity and about her worth and I could try to build confidence in her for two weeks and you did what I probably couldn't do in about two seconds. You handed her a gift. You handed her her dignity and her self-worth and that's a gift that only you could give her and you gave it to her. And I thank you for that because you do know what it means to be a man and that's what it looks like. And he cried and I cried. But I look back on that story because it's just like, yes. Like we are not wired as human beings to use each other. Girls don't look at, you know, girls don't talk with other girls and be like, yeah, I use, I'm just using him for six months because I'm just feeling kind of alone. So I'm just gonna use him for a while, right? Like we don't say that. Guys don't say things like, yeah, I used her the other night, it was great. Human beings don't say things like that. We're not even wired that way, but does it happen? All the time. You ha the only way we're ever gonna stop the cycle of use is to call it out, amen? Repeat after me, I will not, I will not use, you. use you, and I will not, I will not let, you use me. let you use me. Fortune cookie paper in the back pocket, yeah? Okay, so what are we supposed to do? Right now, we kind of look at this like, okay, Sarah, like the attack is everywhere, I get it. How do we fight back, right? So I call it the 80-20 problem, and it's big three. So <laughs> when I was in high school and definitely early college, I worried about three things 80% of the time. Who am I going to date and eventually marry? What are they going to do for me? And how are they going to make me feel? And how good can I look doing it? <laughs> Single people? Yes? No? Yes? Everyone's like, ah, that's the painful slide, right? Like, I'm outing myself, you guys, 80% of my time. Every decision I made catered to these three questions. And this can even look like Franciscan style, right? Like, who am I going to date and eventually marry? Please, Lord, don't let me mess up my vocation, right? Like, what are they going to do for me and how are they going to make me feel? Like, how are they going to make me better and bring me to heaven? Like, that's important, right? And like, how good can I look doing it? Like, don't screw it up and make sure my friends all approve, right? Like, right? Like, that's like the, those are like concerns, valid. But do you guys notice how I said I spent 80% of my time worrying about this? Scratch that. Obsessing about that? Like, obsession's the better word, right? I was like you. I did not want to screw up my vocation. In high school, I just wanted to look good, but in college, I didn't want to screw up my life, right? Things, priorities change, especially when Jesus walks into your life. But when I look at this, and I see that, you guys see that little 20%? Okay, these are three, like, other questions I would love for you to, like, flip, right? So what if we flipped it and asked these three questions 80% of the time? Who do I want to be? What am I living for? Who am I living for? Who do I want to be? What am I living for? Who am I living for? Who do I want to be? I don't know, that's scary. What am I living for? My boyfriend. Who am I living for? My boyfriend. Well, that was an easy exercise, right? Like, <laughs> that was my answer for a really long time, right? When I look at you tonight, it's Sunday night, right? Sunday night, I always call it like the great reset button, right? You're like, this is gonna be a good week. Like, what would happen if you guys asked these three questions every Sunday night? Notice I didn't ask like, who does your boyfriend want you to be? Notice I asked like, who do you want to be? Or who does your girlfriend want you to be? Or who, do you guys get it? Like, that's one of the cool things about college, you know? It's like, there's a lot of freedom in like, who am I? But that's a scary question, and I respect that. But what would happen if we asked these three questions? Ladies, this is your new motto. Strive to become the woman of your dreams, and you'll attract the man of your dreams. 
Strive to become the woman of your dreams and you'll attract the man of your dreams, right? Ladies, sometimes we get really, really wrapped up into what? Okay, I think I'm just like, we take a guy, right? And we're like, okay, I can work with this. And so you like date with, you date him for a while or you know, you're like, you're talking or whatever you wanna call it, like something, right? And then what do we do, right? As ladies, we're like, oh, you're great, but not quite perfect, right? So we try to like morph and change and mold them into exactly what we want. And in the process, we just completely bury them. We just completely tear men down. You're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough. And in our attempt to create perfection of what we think we want, we just completely belittle men. Most obsession relationships last about eight to 16 months. And then they fall apart and then you pick somebody else and you start over. That's typically how it works. What would happen, ladies, if you strove to become the woman of your dreams? When I, when I hang out with women a lot of times, you know, like I ask them, I'm like, when that special guy, if you're called to marriage and that special guy comes along and falls in love with you, who is he gonna be falling in love with? Do you know who you are? That was the question from my heart for a long time. I did not know who I was, that was scary. I did not want to go down that road because of a ton of insecurities that I had. Strive to become the woman of your dreams and you'll attract the man of your dreams. Guys, this is your motto. What kind of man are you striving to be? I think a lot of times my husband had a huge conversion his sophomore year of college. And he said, he's like, everyone up until that point in my life would say things to me like, just be a good guy. Just be a good guy. You know what I mean? Like, guys will come to me all the time and they're like, yeah, I'm a good guy. Like, I mean, like, I get drunk, but I don't drive. And like, I sleep around, but not every night. And like, I cheat, but only when necessary. I'm a good guy, right? I'm like, oh, you are fabulous. <laughs> you're not a convicted felon, but you're close, right? Right? Guys like take like the convicted felons and they're like, well, I'm not in jail, so I'm doing okay, right? Like, I call it good guy syndrome. Guy, Andy, my husband, Swaf, he would say, he's like, no one ever challenged me to be more. I was 19 before another man challenged me to be more. Because he's like, Swaf says, he's like, I think they, people just think we don't, like we can't do it or we don't, we're not up for it. But we are, right men? Like what kind of man are you striving to be? I just throw those two questions out because I know how hard it is. We all want there to be like an altar switch, right? Like a little like flip of the switch, a light little light switch on the back of the altar, right? So you get up there to like say your vows and then you just like flip the switch and you instantly become the man and the woman that you've always wanted to be, like the altar switch. I've checked with a lot of priests. There might be like a really like old microphone jack, but there's no altar switch, right? <laughs> Every decision that you're making right now is taking you closer or farther away from the person that you wanna be on that altar the day that you give vows in whatever vocation that you're called to. There is no altar switch. Right now is the time, amen? This is really important. So I was in a class and a professor asked us what virtue, what virtue are and I was like, patience, what virtue is? And I said, patience is a virtue, yes. And then he changed my life and put this on the board. Virtue is striving for human excellence. Virtue is forming the habits of knowing and choosing the good and right thing to do. Virtue harnesses and trains your passions and emotions to work towards the good. And virtue gives you the freedom to love. I remember in my head I was like, I don't know what virtue is, but I gotta get me some of that, right? Like, this is what I've been looking for, amen? Tell me this, human beings, right? We like to live in extremes. So emotions and passions and feelings, they fly at us like all the time, right? When you feel angry or you feel jealous, 
or you feel tempted, or you feel insecure, do you choose that? Do you get to choose that? Like when you're just like walking around like campus and you like get jealous of someone or you like feel super insecure, like is that a conscious choice? Can you just be like, huh, go away. Like don't wanna deal with you right now, right? Like is that a, no, right? Emotions and passions and feelings, they're gonna fly at you at, in all directions at all times. Like welcome to humanity, welcome, right? Like there'll be therapy later. So like, do you know what I mean? Like you don't choose that. You get two choices, right? You know what's gonna hit you, emotions, passions, feelings, all of it, right? You know it's coming at you. You get two choices. One, what am I gonna do with this? AKA, like, how am I going to, it's like virtue. How am I going to act or react to this? Virtue. You get all these passions and emotions and all this flying in your face. You have another choice. The other choice is, I don't know what else to call it. St. Thomas Aquinas and I have decided that emotional virtue is the best thing to call it, right? Like, we've gone rounds and that's what we came up with. And so, I don't know what else to call it other than emotional virtue. What is it? Before all these emotions and passions are hitting you in the face, emotional virtue is how am I forming my heart and my mind to take this on? If I'm standing in line watching this, this roller coaster go and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and watching everyone else ride, what am I doing in line? How am I preparing my heart and my mind for whatever is gonna fly at me every day? How am I forming my heart and mind to take this on? That's emotional virtue. Some people call it emotional chastity, but it's hard because chastity in a lot of people's minds means abstinence, which it actually does not mean abstinence, but everyone thinks that chastity means abstinence. So they're like, oh, emotional abstinence. No, I would say no, right? Like our emotions are good. They're amazing. We're supposed to have them. All the guys are like, I have them. <laughs> Hashtag not shocked, right? Like. Guys come to me all the time, they're like, I really liked your talk, is that okay? I'm like, yes, right? <laughs> this is good, watch this, listen to this. Emotions and passions are actually good. They give life its fire, its gusto, and its zeal, but you have to be the boss of your thoughts. Emotions and passions happen to you, and they're neutral. They're not good or bad, it's what you do with them that counts. Your mind recognizes truth and reality and must not be dominated by your emotions. You can follow your heart sometimes, but don't forget to bring your head with you. This is straight out of one of the pages of my book and I just think that it just, it needs to be on a slide. I know it's a lot, but like this is what it boils down to you guys. Ladies, you've all seen those little memes, it's like follow your heart. It's like that might be the worst advice of all time, right? Like I have followed my heart down so many dark alleys, amen? You guys, if you don't remember anything else from this talk, remember this. Your heart was made to love, but your head was meant to lead. Your heart was made to love, but your head was meant to lead. Your head will talk you out of that dark alley every time. Your, your emotions and passions are so good. Like emotional virtue is just harnessing and putting those in a place where it's virtuous, amen? Just like Dave Ramsey, you know, I love Dave Ramsey. He's so great. Like, if you don't control your money, it'll control you. If you don't control your emotions and passions, they will control you. As human beings, we live in extremes, right? Over here, it's like, hi, emotions and passions. You're exhausting. And I've been hurt so many times, and I've been wounded, that I would rather just not feel ever again than ever feel the hurt from this. So we just stuff every emotion down. And on the other side, the other side of this, the other extreme is like, hi, emotions and passions, you're exhausting. And you know what? It's just more fun to let you completely run the show. So go for it. Like, let's just run with that, right? Do you guys see that? Virtue, right here. This'll, so there's a buddy of mine. His name is Father Bob. 
My husband studied under him for his doctorate. Father Bob used to sit in my living room and we would chat about life. And one night he's like, yeah, I'm working on this blog about relationships. I'm like, oh. And I said, I said, can I read it? And he's like, yeah. So he gave it to me. And I remember highlighting this. This was like years ago. And I highlighted it and I said, I said, Father Bob, I'm stealing this. And he's like, go ahead. Absolutely. He's like, that's why we write blogs. I'm like, okay. All good theologians are just good thieves. Remember that. Okay, good. So this is what I stole from Father Bob. Ready? This will change your life. Love is not primarily a feeling. Though it can be accompanied by feeling, that's the confusion of our time. Confusing love's feeling with love itself. Love actually is a great act of the will. It's when I say, I desire your good, not for my sake, but for yours. Yes. More tattoos for my arm, amen? Anybody else want that tattoo? Yes, okay. I'm gonna read it one more time because this is something that you guys, the world is so backwards on this. They, they struggle with it, right? One more time. Love is not primarily a feeling, though it can be accompanied by feeling. That's the confusion of our time, confusing love's feeling with love itself. Love is actually a great act of the will. It's when I say, I desire your good, not for my sake, but for yours. That is emotional virtue in one paragraph. That's life in one paragraph. Most people walk into relationships and say, what? What can you do for me? What, can you, what, what void can you fill in my life? What holes can you feel, fill in my life? What can you do for me? That last sentence says it all. I desire your good, not for my sake, but for yours. This is the only way chastity makes sense, amen? This is the only way the way we want to date makes sense. It all boils down to this. Love is not actually a feeling. It can be accompanied by romance and feeling and desire and all these amazing things. But at first, it is an act of the will. So when I was in college, this all started to spin in my head. It was starting to get, it was getting, it was getting real up in there. And I remember we were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. A bunch of my girlfriends, we actually approached a group of our guy friends and we were like, hey, we just want to know, like, what do you think is the most attractive thing about a woman? Like, be gentle. But like, what are you actually like looking for, right? So they got into a man huddle. Have you guys all seen a man huddle, right? <laughs> Where like guys get together and they like put their arms on each other's, around each other's shoulders. It's like rugby style, right? And like they sway back and forth like this. And there's typically grunting. And they're over in this man huddle for like 10 minutes. And finally, they like break huddle and they like all John Wayne, like, you know, strut over to us. You know, they're like, we got it, we got it, we got it, we got it. And we were like, Okay, you know, like we were like giddy. We were like, the, like the most attractive thing about a woman, like what is it? And they were like, okay, holiness and confidence. And we were like, I'm sorry, what? Come again? <laughs> and they were like, holiness and confidence. They're like, even guys that aren't into their faith would say they want a girl who knows who she is and does the right thing. Holiness and confidence. And I remember we were like, wow, thank you. That is deep. Wow, thank you. And it was the most awkward exit of all time. Like we just left. We walked out of the building and left. And I remember we went back to my, our dorm room and one of my friends like took her coat and she like threw it on the ground. She's like, why do we even ask? We asked, we don't even know what that means. Like now we know what they want. We don't even know what that means. Like go be holy and, and confident. Watch me frolic, watch me go, right? Like I got nothing, right? So we went back to them and we were like, hi. Uh, we thought we just had to like dye our hair and lose 10 pounds. And um, we don't really know, like we're gonna need some like practical tips and tools on like what you actually mean by that. So they busted out a napkin 
And um, they started writing out, they called her the Simply Irresistible Woman. And they started like writing out attributes, like characteristics, like virtues of this woman. So they're over there like, you know, with this napkin and all these girls are like, oh. Like, well, we're generous, right, women? So we're like, we'll make the simply irresistible virtuous man, no problem, right? So like we presented each other, like we presented it to each other. Theirs was on a napkin, ours was on like an Excel spreadsheet, like color-coded, like <laughs> in order of preference. And just we're women, right? So so we got together and we like shared this. And over the last like almost 10 years, I ask people all the time, I'm like, men, what do you think should be on the women's list? Like, women, what do you what do you think should be on this list? The simply irresistible virtuous man or the simply irresistible virtuous woman? Because do you guys ever feel like this? I, I promise you, I felt like this all the time. I know exactly what I don't want. I know exactly what, I, what I'm not supposed to do. But I have no idea what I'm actually supposed to be doing right now. Like, welcome to high school, right? It's like, no, 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 no. What the heck am I supposed to be doing, right? Like, and into college, it's like, I know what I want. I know what I don't want. I felt the pain. I know the brokenness. Like, I know what I don't want. But how am I supposed to, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Do you guys ever feel like that? I know I did. And so when I started putting these lists together, as the men gave me ideas for the women and the women gave me ideas for the men, I compiled them and I brought them with me. So I will, I will end my talk with these lists, okay? You guys ready for this? This is the woman, okay? Ready, ladies? Take a deep breath. You're okay, it's gonna be okay, we're together. Feminine, confident, and committed. She's feminine. She's gentle and kind, graceful and sincere, patient and flexible, doesn't gossip, isn't rude, tries to eliminate drama, not create it, poised and modest, open to the needs of others, nurturing and welcoming, joyful and fun. She's confident. She stands up for what is right and seeks the truth. She has courage and is not afraid to confront and help someone. She's genuinely excited for another, not jealous or vain. She speaks with conviction. She's responsible, prudent, humble, and honest. She's secure. She's sensitive to the needs of others. She's committed. Her relationship with God comes first in her life. She puts others first before herself. She strives for excellence in all things and chastity and sobriety and tries her hardest in academics or her career. She's not led solely by her emotions and passions. She maintains balance and order in her life. She lives a life of charity and service. She's forgiving, trustworthy, loyal, and pure. Okay, all the ladies in the house, take a deep breath in and let it out, good. One more time for real this time, deep breath in and let it out, good. Ladies, repeat after me, striving, striving. striving. Not perfect, not perfect, because perfect, because perfect. Doesn't, exist. doesn't exist. Striving. Striving. Deep breath in and let it out. Good. <laughs> Fellas, did you notice how I just had to take the women through intensive breathing treatments just now? Like, we all saw that, right? Like, as women, we don't look at this list and go like, oh my gosh. I want to be her, right? Like we look at these lists and we're like, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. I messed that one up at dinner. I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. Like this is gonna take a lifetime, right? Like we don't look at it like that. We look at it like, ugh. Ladies, the most important thing that you can remember from this list is what I hear from guys all the time. And you know what they tell me? They say to me, Sarah, do you know what's crazy? Like it's not that the, like, it's not like she's like gonna be this all the time, but what's actually attractive about a woman like this is like her act of striving for it. They're like, this is amazing, right? Like, it's not like you're gonna be, like there's only one woman that ever walked to the earth that was perfect. Her name's Mary, St. Joseph won the lucky ticket, sorry all the fellas, right? Like, <laughs> like, we know that there's one, but like all the rest of us, we're like hot messes, right? So like we're trying to figure it out, ladies. What the guys tell me is attractive is a woman that's actually striving for this. That is what's attractive. Put that somewhere deep, amen? Like striving is what is, for these virtues, is what's attractive. 
Fellas, is this woman, is this woman attractive? I can always count on, I can always count on Steubenville. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes it's like dead quiet, like crickets. And I'm always like, <laughs> anybody? I'll pass your number out if you cheer, right? Um, good, so this woman's attractive, okay, good. Ladies, do you wanna see the simply irresistible virtuous man? <laughs> the girls are always like, put up the slide. The guys are always like, or not, right? Like, Sarah, I don't know, right? Like, it's gonna be okay, we're together. We're in this together, okay? This is the girls for the simply irresistible virtuous man. This is the girls list for you. He's masculine, he's confident, and he's committed. He's masculine, he's a leader, provider, protector, initiator, chivalrous, brave and courageous, gentle and respectful, intuitive and patient, joyful and fun. He's confident. He stands up for what's right and seeks the truth. He has courage and is not afraid to confront and help someone. He's genuinely excited for another, not jealous or vain. He speaks with conviction. He's responsible, prudent, humble, and honest. He's secure. He's sensitive to the needs of others. His, he's committed. His relationship with God comes first in his life. He puts others first before himself. He strives for excellence in all things, in chastity and sobriety, and tries his hardest in academics or his career. He's not led solely by his emotions and passions. He maintains balance and order in his life. He lives a life of charity and service. He's forgiving, trustworthy, loyal, and pure. All the fellows in the house, like, just take like some deep little breaths and like shrug your shoulders, right? Like we don't need intensive, but the guys are all like, it's okay, I can do this, right? Like, <laughs> fellas, repeat after me, striving. 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 Not, perfect Not perfect. Because perfect, because perfect doesn't, exist. doesn't exist. Striving. Striving. Okay, you're good? <laughs> Ladies, just fan yourself, right? <laughs> I was in Australia and there was a group of, it was like, I had a ton of like college men and I was giving the talk and they were, they did that in their Australian accent and I got it out and I videotaped it for the American women. So <laughs> I, I just, I knew that, I knew that it was gonna go over well. So I, I was like, I've got some American women that might need to see this when they lose all hope someday. So it's gonna be all right. You guys, that was awesome. That came from somewhere deep. Okay, fellas in the house, I want you to hear this. Striving. This is just as important for you to hear as it is for the women to hear. The women tell me over and over again, it's a, when I see guys that are striving for virtue, that is ridiculously attractive. The world will tell you a hundred other things that might be attractive, but you will never fail with virtue. Ladies, it's equally as important for you to hear me and the men say, right? They're striving. They just found out about the list like 30 seconds ago, right? Like we have to give them, they took a picture with their phone, it's good, but like we have to give them a chance, right? Amen? Our God is a God of surprises. And I know that you have this man in mind of what he's gonna be like. Let God surprise you because he might not look exactly the way you want him to, but if he's striving after this list, you have a good man on your hands, amen? Ladies, I want you to like take all that pressure that you feel and I just want you to like set it on the ground and then pet it like the cat you don't need, right? Like, <laughs> guys, I want you to, fellas in the house, I want you to take all that pressure that you feel and I want you to just like set it down. That pressure does not come from God. One more time. That pressure does not come from God. You guys, I struggle with this so much. I struggle with anxiety. I have an anxious heart. I know a lot of people in this room, it doesn't, I mean, I think humanity, we all struggle with anxiety, amen? 
when I look at these lists, when I look at my life, even in my relationship with Christ sometimes, I'm like, man, I'm never going to be enough. Striving, right? Fellas, I just need you to hear that. Ladies, is this man attractive? Ah! Right? Good. Excellent. The reason why I have to ask that is because usually when I give these talks, I always get a group of guys that come up to me afterwards, and they're like, oh, yeah, Sarah, can we talk to you for a minute? I'm like, yeah. And they're always like, over there? I'm like, over here? Okay. In the dark corner? Okay, yeah, let's all go. <laughs> so it's like all these guys, right? And they're always like, Sarah, um, so about, like, the list, um, like, you're sure, like, you're sure that's what they want? Like, the list? I'm like, yeah. You're like, ooh, 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 right? Like, pretty jazzed about it, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, good, good. So, like, you're sure this is what they want? And I'm like, yeah. Like, ooh, 10 years of the list. They're like, oh, okay, good, good. It's like, you're sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. Like, I think so, yeah. And they always look at me with, like, kind of sad eyes. And they say, then why do women throw themselves half naked at the complete opposite? I'm always like, dark corner got darker, right? Like, and I always look at them and I say, you know what? That's like a four-hour answer, and I probably don't even have the answer, but I will try to answer it in one word because I think it all boils down to one word, and that one word is woundedness. You guys, we are all wounded. Like, I stand before you as someone who has walked down a lot of dark alleys, and we all look at each other, right? And we all know that we're struggling, and this is not easy. This list up here, this is my list too. This is the virtue challenge. I pick a different one every week, and I work on it with accountability. I want you to look at this list and again. Like when I was in New York, like when I was in college, you guys. I mean, I went on a retreat. I got, I got. Have you guys ever been like drug on a retreat? Have you ever been like thrown in the back of a car and driven to a retreat? Right? Okay. So my friends were like, "You're going." I'm like, "Okay, fine." So I find myself on this retreat. I was a sophomore in college, and I like, I was sitting there at adoration, and they had confession going on. I hadn't been to confession in years. And I remember something just drew me to that door. It was like, we were at like a lodge and it was in a janitor's closet, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so I remember walking in there and there's this sweet baby priest. Um, he had not been a priest more than a year, right? And I, I remember thinking like, I'm gonna overwhelm this poor man. And so like I sat down and I just, I just started crying. You guys, I laid out this talk. That was my confession. I laid out all my mistakes my insecurities, my past, my fears. I just laid it all out for this sweet baby priest. And he looked at me, and he gave me the best dating advice, the best life advice that I've ever received. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, Sarah, do you know what you need to do? He goes, Sarah, I want you to run. I want you to run into the arms of our Lord, and I want you to fall into his arms, and I want you to let him love you like no human man can. Because you've been going around trying to find different guys to be your savior when you already have one. Amen? And I looked at him and I, he said to me, he goes, I want you to build a box. I want you to build a box and I want you to put everything that you're struggling with into that box and I want you to lay it at the feet of someone who can actually do something about it in this confessional right now. And I want you to continue to go back and take that box and drop it off because it's too heavy for you. You should not be carrying this around by yourself. And you fall into his arms and you let him love you and you let him heal you and you grow. And when you feel strong and you feel whole, I want you to stand up and I want you to run with him. And don't look in any other direction. And when you've been growing and you've been healing, I want you to glance to the side and see who's running with you. And maybe that's who you're supposed to be with. And that night changed my life because a million bricks fell off my shoulders, you guys. It wasn't about striving to be enough anymore. 
It wasn't about being a good little Girl Scout for Jesus and my parents and everybody else so that I can check off all these boxes and then maybe someone will love me. Not only the world's idea perfect, but I feel like I had to check off all these boxes. You guys, that is the most backwards way to understand the love of the Father. Like you, you have to do, you do nothing. You bring your hot mess and you lay it before the cross. That is your relationship with our Lord. I always would come to the Lord and be like, Lord, I'm gonna like fix this, change this, you know, lose 10 pounds and pre present like this perfect Sarah to you and then you'll love me, God. You guys, that is so backwards. Don't do that for 20 years like I did. Come to him, bring everything to him, especially your fear in this pressure that you're worried about screwing up your vocation. You guys, he's a God of surprises, right? I love it, Father Cajetan, one of my best friends. He always says, your vocation is not a puzzle to be solved, but a gift to be received. Dude, no more tattoos. I'm running out of arms, right? Like, it's not a puzzle to be solved, but a gift to be received. What? He's a Franciscan grad, by the way. That's right. Father Cajetan, Father Chris Cuddy. Okay, so here's the deal. When I look at you, I see fear. And that is not from God. When I looked at myself back in the day, I was scared to mess this up. When you look at these lists, you guys, Striving, yes. As Sister Miriam likes to put, striving, not, but also abiding. Abide in his love and in his presence. Strive for virtue, yes. But you're not earning anything here. You're striving to be abiding in his presence, amen? So here's the deal. I want you to look at this list for, this is gonna be our Q&A. Because everyone wants me to come give a dating talk, and I did. But now you're like, how do we handle dysfunctional Steubenville dating, right? Franciscan dating. So I wrote a book because Jason Everett told me if I didn't start writing this down, he'd hurt me, and I don't want to be on Jason Everett's bad side. <laughs> um, a couple years ago, he's like, just write a little bit, like every nap time, right? I'm like, Jason, okay. So every nap time, I would write a couple pages. And I ended up writing a book. And it's basically everything in here in this talk, but like that's like the skeleton, and then the book is like more. And I got to the point of this slide, and it took me almost 60 pages to explain. Because that's how complicated dating is, amen? So the reason why I wanna end with this slide is I just wanna show you, it's again, 60 pages, right? But I want the Q&A, I have a feeling you're gonna have questions about dating. So I want this to guide it. Acquaintances, true friends, Defining the relationship, having a DTR, stating your intentions. Ooh, good, exciting things. Dating, courting, engagement, and marriage. I call it the natural progression of a relationship. Um, it's so lame, but I have no idea what else to call it. So it didn't have anything fun, right? But the reason why I wanted to show you this is because I could give you a three-hour talk just on this slide. But I just built you the foundation to put this whole slide on. Does that make sense? So what I want you, like when you look at this, what people typically have questions about is like, <laughs> super friends? Do you guys have super friends here? Do you guys know what I mean by that? Oh, we're just talking, we're just texting, we just hang out. It's like, oh, so you're super friends. What's that? We're not dating. Okay, so the gray area, right? Are we dating? Are we something more? Our friends think we should be dating. What do you think? I have permission for my friends to date you, but do you wanna date me or do you just wanna be super friends? <laughs> Right? Oh my gosh, like they're talking together one on one and he sat next to her at mass. Something's up, right? Like, <laughs> one of my favorite things is when groups of women, ladies, is it hard to be a woman? Yes. 
So it's not just me, right? Okay, good. So let's take the pledge real quick, ready? All the ladies, Franciscan women in the house, raise your right hand. All the ladies in the house, I promise you, Sarah. From this day forward, I will not make life harder on another woman. Amen. Now look at the women around you and say, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Your hair looks amazing. Will you go grab one of everything on my, on my thing? Okay, good. Do you feel better? Good. All the men in the house, raise your right hand. I promise you, Sarah, from this day forward, with all my love and affection. I just love hearing guys say love and affection. I will not make life harder on another guy. Amen. Now look at the guys around you and do that little, like, bro pat. Like, I love the little, like, tap, tap on the back, right? Like, I love you, man. I'm sorry. Your hair looks great, right? Okay, good. Lots of love. Bro, bromances up in the top part. Okay. Franciscan University, raise your right hand. Everybody in the house, all y'all. I promise you, Sarah. I promise you, Sarah. From this day forward. From this day forward. I will not. I will not. Make life. Make life. Harder. Harder. On the opposite sex. Amen. Amen. Now look at the opposite sex and say, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're amazing. Your hair looks great. Okay, good. I'm feeling the love. Okay, good. So now that we've said that, right, I'm going to do this in two minutes. Acquaintances, hi, how's it going? True friends, right? Maybe the most important step. Defining the relationship. Dating, courting, engagement, marriage. Okay, here we go. We'll start with dating and courting. Tell me if you hear a difference between, a lot of people will say like, oh, courting, like Jane Austen. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> modesty, chastity, and courting are all words that are locked in a vault with Jane Austen. We're going to free them, right? So a lot of people say like, Sarah, courting and dating are the same thing. It's like, um, maybe once upon a time, but for our day and age, no, right? So dating and courting, tell me if you hear a difference, right? Dating. You know what, I'd really like to get to know you better and to see like, you know, I'd like to get to know you better without like all 40 of our other friends around. Like I would, you know, let's, I'd like to get to know you better. Okay, good? Versus courting. I think you're the person God has called me to marry. Slight difference, right? Like maybe a variation, right? Do you guys see that? Dating. I, I would love to get to know you better. Versus courting, which is like, we've discerned well, right? I think, I think you may be the one. Do you guys hear the difference in that? Yeah, okay, so that's important. The step above that is also equally important, defining the relationship. In my book, I had to break it down into two DTRs, right? So the initial DTR is, hey, I'd, I'd like to get to know you better without all 40 of our friends. And then the second DTR is, like, I would really like to see if God has called us to like work as a team and like serve each other, serve him dating each other. Do you see how there's two, two DTRs? Okay, because here's what happens, right? So the men, it's really fun. They like, it takes them like three weeks to work up the courage to like ask someone, a girl to like coffee or the cafeteria um, or like something like that. And then the girl sits down at coffee and she's like, thanks for asking me. I'd like a picket fence and 5.5 children. And if you want to be like a doctor or a lawyer, I don't care either one. And um, yeah, and he's like, it took me two weeks to ask you to coffee and you think this is a marriage proposal. And she's like, is it, is it supposed to be something different? <laughs> right? 
guys come to me all the time and they'll say to me, they're like, Sarah, like I'm a sophomore and I really like this girl, but I, I can't talk to her because if I talk to her, she might think I like her. And if she thinks I like her, then she's gonna expect me to propose. And I'm just not ready to get married. <laughs> just so sweet. He's like, I just don't feel ready to be married. I'm like, that's okay, right? Like, so what happens sometimes, I, I'm guessing, is that I have all these fabulous women all over the world that are like, fabulous, capital F, fabulous. And they come to me at 20 or 21 and they're like, Sarah, I have never been asked out on a date. I have never been asked to like go to coffee. I've never been asked to like walk together. Like I've never been asked anywhere, what's wrong with me? And they sit there and they think that something is wrong with them. And then I have all these guys that come to me typically in secret, and they say to me, and they're just like, Sarah, like, I really like her, but I just, I don't, like, the last time I asked a girl out, and then I just, like, we, like, went to coffee once or twice, and then I decided that, like, I didn't think we were called to date, and then, like, these girls all called me a tool for a year. All the guys are like, preach, right? <laughs> I have guys come to me all the time, they're like, I don't want to be a tool, so I'm just not going to ask anybody out. So I have all these girls that are like, I'm worthless, and all these guys are like, I'm terrified, right? Like... <laughs> But this is part of the weirdness, right? So I spent 60 pages trying to figure it out. And the only way I can figure this out, guys, like seriously, I've gone over this a million times. For 10 years, I've watched college students with social media, with texting, with all of this. And the only way I can figure it out is there's got to be this true friends stage, right? You guys have households, which is phenomenal. But like, there's got to be this like casual dating doesn't work, right? Because casual dating is usually where you like go to a bar and you get someone's number and then you text for six months and no one really knows where it's at, right? That's not you, but that's typically casual dating, right? It's like, I'm just gonna go to coffee with a ton of people, which is great, but here's the deal. Where would you learn more? Going to coffee one-on-one -on -one with someone who can pick you up at seven for like dinner in, in like a movie and then drop you off at 12 midnight and like go back to being whoever they are or going out with like a group of your friends, your close friends and going out with another, like if you're a girl, like going out with your girlfriends and like going out with a group of guy friends and like seeing how that guy interacts with his guy friends. How does that guy treat the other girls that are with you? Does he hold the door for everybody or just you? Like, what is he like around other guys? What typically happens is you will find out more in a group of your friends than you will on a blind date or on a casual date ever. Amen? The other thing that's interesting is texting, what gets texting, what gets everyone in trouble is what? Zero accountability. Right? So you're laying in bed at night and you're like, girls or guys, whatever, and you're just like texting all this stuff, right? Who's holding you accountable? Nobody. So many people have told me, they're like, guys tell me all the time, they're like, texting's a crutch. Like I would say so, I would say so many things in text I would never say in person. It's like, okay, good. Girls tell me the same thing. What happens when you're sitting there with your best friends and he's with his best friends and you're all hanging out? Like, is there accountability there? Is there even just accountability to like being true to who you are? Like, if the fellas like, if a guy does something like completely like, they're like, dude, what was that? Right? Like, or there's accountability there. Does that make sense? Like, I just love like ladies. I want you to find like a group of women, call it your tribe, your crew, your, your squad, get a t-shirt and a hashtag. I don't care what you call it, but you gotta get those women in your life, amen? <laughs> Fellas, same thing. Guys, you have to have some men to run with. You have households, which is fantastic because you're learning how to, right? Like I need you to learn to be friends with the opposite sex before you try to date anyone, amen? Learning how to be friends with the opposite sex is the hardest thing you will ever do, why? So, okay, girls in the front row, right? Like we're all friends, hey. 
tell me what needs to be said, right? Like, speak truth to my heart. When I look at you four women and I say like, okay, speak truth to me, that's gonna sound totally different than if I were to walk up to like, if, or like if one of you were to go up to a guy and be like, speak truth to my heart. <laughs> Are you following, right? Like, women, you need women to speak truth to you. Men, you need men to speak truth to you. But guess what? Learning to be friends with the opposite sex is where those amazing relationships start. Households is a great place to go, but what happens if your significant other may just happen to be in a different household, right? So you could ask, like girls, you could ask a guy to coffee, guys could ask a girl to coffee, but what might actually be more powerful and more fun is what if like two or three of you girls ask like two or three guys to coffee? One, you take away the awkwardness of like, this is awkward, everyone's looking at us, we're not dating, no. There's not something going on, I don't think, right? Like, but if there's a group of three girls and a group of three guys, isn't that less intimidating? Guys, do you end up as the tool because you asked three girls with your two guys to go have coffee? No, like, do you get that? Does that make sense? Strength in numbers, amen? Accountability, it's just good. The other thing, okay, I'm gonna end on this and then I'll open it up for questions, okay? This is trippy, but this is what I've been, fi been finding, especially on like big college campuses. Okay, look around the room, right? Everyone look around. See all your friends, hey, what's up, right? How many of you have at least two people that you were like, dang it, I wish they were here? How many of you have friends that are like, shoot, dang, I needed them to be here, because how am I ever gonna tell them this, right? Here's the deal, look at my eyes, look at my eyes. Everybody knows that Franciscan is just a rockin' place. But there are people on this campus who are alone and are struggling and needed an invite to this talk, amen? There are people in your lives that need you. So here's what's trippy about this, right? So what happens when you have that group of good, like solid women, I didn't say click, just, right? It's like all inviting, right? And you have that group of men, here's what happens. Sally Sue meets Billy, right? Sally Sue meets Billy at, out, right? And she's like, oh, Billy, he's great, right? I think I like Billy. In the world, what would happen is Sally Sue would give her number to Billy and Billy and her would start texting, but no one knows Billy, right, from Adam, it's like, Billy. So here's the deal, this is what looks different. What happens if Sally Sue goes to her group, her, like her tribe of male friends, right, and is like, okay, there's this guy named Billy, and I, I think there's potential there, but I, like, I really want you to like, go get him, like, go get him, right? So what happens is, is the tribe of men they go up to Billy and they're like, Billy, what's up? I don't know you, but like, do you want to come out with us? We're cosmic bowling, uh, like cosmic bowling IHOP is like one of my favorite things. So like we're cosmic bowling IHOPing Friday, like Saturday night, do you want to come with us? And Billy's like, yeah, that'd be great, thanks. Cause Billy's alone and needs an invite. So Billy comes with the men, right, his tribe, and they hang out and he meets everyone. It's like, hey Billy, nice to meet you. Sally Sue's like, hey Billy. So like everything's going great, right? But what happens is, is Billy has male friends that love Jesus for the first time in his life. And Billy falls in love with Jesus Christ, not Sally Sue, Jesus Christ, because he learned what it looks like to be a man. And all of a sudden, Billy joins the tribe, and Sally Sue's like, oh, Billy, you're great, but I don't think you're for me, because I've witnessed, like, I've watched you, and like, God, chemistry, timing, those are the three things that make great relationships, see the book. And so when you do that, all of a sudden, Billy's like in the tribe, and Sally Sue looks at like Molly, her friend, and Molly's like, Sally Sue's like, I don't think Billy's for me, but Molly. And then Molly marries Billy. And that's how relationships happen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm joking. That's kind of true. But you understand, it's all about an invite. Did you see that? Billy, Billy can have any name, guy or girl, amen? Think about how many people in your life 
you want to invite into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? So sometimes our God calls us to take the harder road, right? Most people get a number, use Tinder, hook up, break up. It's really messy. I just decided we might go with an alternative plan, right? Like, I know this is a lot of work, but it's worth it. Amen? Okay, so here we go. Our Today forward, our new plan. Know what sends you on the emoticoaster. We're all different, right? We all have different things we struggle with, but we all struggle. You know, like, call out the cycle of use. Repeat after me. Use. 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 I will not, I will not use, you. use you. And I will not, I will not let, you use me. let you use me. Boom. Strive to become the woman of your dreams or the man you're called to be. Rock that simply irresistible list of virtues. Run to our Lord, lay it all down at his feet, and respect and protect and respect one another. Follow the natural progression of relationship. Yeah? I don't leave you hanging. This is my emotional virtue is my website that I had Madigan bring up. So I wrote this book for you. Do you mind if I grab it? Um, a couple of things I wanted to show you. My little minions, they're fantastic. My guys and girls were like, you need to make that, like laminate it. Because what they did is they took the, the Simply Irresistible list. So the guy, the Simply Irresistible man is on one side and the Simply Irresistible woman's on the other. And all of the virtues are listed out. And then it's called the virtue challenge. You list three ways you're going to practically grow in that virtue that week. And three ways that you know the devil's going to try to throw obstacles in your way. Con like concretely. And then you write down who your accountability partner is. And you pick a different virtue every week. It can be the same virtue for six months. I've done that. Um, or it can be something different every week. So we call it the virtue challenge. So those are back in the back along with the book I told you about. And then my husband. Oh, if you're worried, like, if you're like, oh, shoot. My best friend or my boyfriend or my girlfriend is not currently here next to me, and I'm going to kill him. Um, <laughs> I did this. I did a talk very similar to this at the SEEK conference, which is Focus Conference. Um, if you're bored, in January, we're going to Chicago for SLS for the conference, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, Father Bob, my friend, is going to be there. Um, Bishop Barron is what everyone knows him by. So um, <laughs> Father Mike Schmitz and I are giving a talk on, together. So. Father Mike is gonna give, I'm giving what authentic friendship is and he's giving how to evangelize with it. So it's gonna be fun. So, but if you're worried, this is the talk I gave tonight, very similar. So if you wanna like hide this under your, under your roommate's pillow, if you wanna put it on people's dashboard, be like, I don't know how it got there. Um, <laughs> siblings, that's always good. And then I just wanted to tell you real quick about my, um, my husband is very attractive, yes, but he's also really smart. Um, and he wrote a book called John Paul II to Aristotle and Back Again. It's basically a Christian philosophy of life because he's been teaching intro for 10 years and he's like, man, the questions they have are not, they're, they're like, why God, does God exist, science, right, all that. And then he wrote his, um, his conversion stories in here and then he goes through every single virtue and every single vice and like how to practically live them out and it's fantastic. And then this Christmas, he wrote a book called Spiritual Survival in the Modern World. And he basically took um, every, he teaches moral life and he uses um, C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. And um, he, just, he just loves it. So the Spiritual Survival in the Modern World based on the screw tape letters for now. So if you love to read, like this is another fun one. So but anyway, I have all that stuff back there and I'm willing to stick around as long as you guys need me. I love to, I want to hug you and tell you how awesome you are because you don't hear it enough. But I'd love to sign your book and just get to hang out because I'm at Franciscan. Um, I'm going to hang out. So let's pray. Sorry I kept you so long. I know you have a life, but let's pray real quick. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I just ask you to pour down your Holy Spirit on this room. 
Holy Spirit, I just ask you to fill hearts. I ask you to heal wounds. I ask you to fill emptiness. I ask you to show us that you are the one that is the answer to all of our heart's desires. It all goes back to you. Jesus, I ask you to help them to build those boxes, to fill them with everything that they're struggling with and to lay it down at your feet. Father, I ask you to help us to trust, to trust you with our lives, to trust you with our plans, to trust you with our future, to give you everything. I pray that this talk isn't just a talk that dies in their heart, but I pray that it becomes a conversation on campus. I pray that it becomes strength for them to rise up and find their tribe, to find their squad, for the men and the women to find one another and to build up those relationships of friendship, to love one another the way that you've asked us to love one another, no matter what kind of relationship it is. We hand you our lives. We give you our lives. Make us new, make us whole, and help us to light the world on fire with your love. And we give you all the glory as we pray together. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Joseph, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm praying for you. I love you guys. God bless you. Faith and Reason Podcasts. New media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com.